When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. August 13th, 2010. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the Betfair exchange and get a £5 free bet. With each free bet you win, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back or exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds to £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. The final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by attheraces.com your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome to the show as we look ahead to the weekend winners on the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emerson Kennedy, joined by the first lady of the Final Furlong Podcast from Sky Sports Racing. It's the return of Vanessa Ryle. Hello, I am here. The crowd go wild. Oh my goodness, they're rushing the stage. They're tearing Vanessa limb from limb. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back, Vinny. We're also joined by At The Races Pundit, Mr. Roy DeLarghi. Hello. The applause was reserved only for Vanessa, I'm afraid, Rory. Don't take That's it right. personally. That's that. It's not a slight on you at all. The first race that we're going to start with for Saturday is the Betway Sweet Solaro Stakes 320 at Newmarket and on the Bedford Sportsbook. Fly Miss Helen is currently 2.25 on the Bet for Exchange, slightly bigger than that, 2.5, a little bit bigger, um, I suspect, in the morning, maybe. Uh, Dubai Fountain for Mark Johnson, who's bidding for his third victory in a row in this race, 4.5, uh, the daughter of Teofilio, and then Danny Lova. Godolphin had a number of horses entered for this race. She won on Saturday, so a quick turnaround for her. Uh, William Buick and Charlie Appleby, 6.0 on the bet for exchange right now. Rory, we'll start with you. The going, as we record on Thursday, is good to firm for Newmarket. What is your thoughts for the Sweet Solara Stakes? Um, I have an each-way fancy um, in the contest. Excellent. In that um, she's got a little bit to find with these, but I thought she was a lot better than the bare result last time out. And that's Seattle Rock with Sylvester Kurtz. Um, she was only sixth in the Duchess of Cambridge um, last time out, but she, um, oh, I think the nap's just got done. Oh last no! Who is, who is the nap, Rory? This is recording in real time. Where was the race and who was the horse? Ripon, 115, the David Chapman Memorial. I decided that no, nothing would go across the far side of the track and Danny Tuttle has gone to the far side of the track and watchable. And I think he's just beaten me by um, a narrow margin. Oh, Mark is not so sure now. Uh, and what, hope. what price was your nap? Uh, it was about five to one. Oh my um, God. And he's, in fact, it's a shorter price in the photo. He's now, he's two to one to back in the photo. So, so you're telling me there's a so chance. He, 
this is there. Tell me there's a chance. Uh, yes, this is uh, this is going to be old news for anyone, uh, anyone watching this at the moment. I'll settle for dead heat, lads, if that's, uh, if that's on the table, but I don't think so. Uh, anyway, getting back to the um, the sweet Solera. Um, yeah, I'm hoping, what kind of price are you looking at there with Seattle Rocks? You should be a reasonably big price. Well, th- that's the thing, Rory. Uh, I almost fell over when you said this and instantly went to the app to go and place a bet. 34.0. Yeah, I mean she had, she was um 80 to 1 for the um for the Cheshire, which I you know I've already said I thought was a, a poor risk yeah. winner aside. Um and she was 33s then um for the Duchess of Cambridge. Um she hasn't looked an easy ride on either of those occasions, but she's shown reasonable form. Um obviously third in the Cheshire. And then dropping back to six would have been no good for her on pedigree. Um there's there's plenty of stamina on the damn side of the pedigree. Um, Snoqualmie girl, her um, uh, her dam. Um, she won over a mile and a half. She she stayed further than that. Um, she's a monsieur mare, uh, plenty of um, middle distance horses in her pedigree, um, and she stayed the seven well at Ascot. I don't think she's terribly well suited by the drop back and trip at Newmarket last time, and as to offset that, David Egan made the running on her. She stayed near the the far side rail, whereas the um, the winner came up the middle, and the two who finished strongly in the second and third either raced um, wider or were, were switched there. Um, that form has worked out as well. Dan Dalla, of course, won it, um, and she's been the best filly we've seen out so far around, uh, around six furlongs. Uh, Fenfrover was second. She won the Star Sticks. Um, then at, um, uh, at Sandline, her next start, Santosha won the Princess Margaret. On her next start, so the form is the form is very solid. Halla Halla Halla, who was fifth, just just in front of Seattle Rock, uh, was second in that uh, Princess Margaret. Uh, and Seattle Rock was was the one who did too much in front in the first instance, but also stayed towards the far side of the track where you know all the others who who counted um, raced more towards the centre. So I think she's a lot better than the bare result. Uh, you know, I do have slight concerns about whether she's entirely straightforward. Um, but I think she has to be a big price here, and I do think she's got the ability. Uh, and the set back up the seven furlongs will suit her. So I'm, I'm inclined to give her an each way chance at the prices. You know, the, there are two or three uh, at the head of the market who she'll struggle to beat on form, but I, I think she'll take a step forward for the return to seven furlongs. And if she finishes third, that'll be good enough for me. Happy days. 34.0 Seattle Rock for Sylvester Kirk and David Probert, currently on the Bedford Exchange. Vanessa Ryle, follow that one. Tricky, tricky to follow that one, to be honest. Um, but in terms of this race, is Fly Miss Helen the horse that Richard Hannon was quoted as saying is his best two-year-old? Is that right? It was after this filly won that Newbury maiden. And she was well-backed on the day and she bolted in, didn't she? And she mm. looked impressive. You know, she she doesn't find herself at the top of this market. Uh, I mean, she's a very short price favourite against these horses that a lot of them have group form. Um, I I was surprised to see her find herself there at the top of the market on in at such short odds. To be honest with you, she's very short, isn't she, Rory? She's yeah, she's pretty short enough for me. Uh, but more importantly, Saxon has won. Hey! Oh, Saxon has written. I have won. Lovely job. Deary me. That's why we have him on, guys and girls. God bless you, Jerome Fentiman. <laughs> <laughs> proof um, proof okay. that Rory Delargy is in form for this tipping podcast. Keep going, Vanessa. Yeah. 
No, anyway, basically, I think the favourite's very, very short, but she obviously has loads of promise and she finds herself there, like I say, through sort of chat and reputation rather than actual form. And so I was a bit like Rory, tempted to look elsewhere. Um, for me, Setahi for Rod Javarian and Ross Orion looks jocked up to ride, although she's normally been ridden by Andrea Atzeni. She's one that... Um, followed pretty closely from the off, to be honest with you. And I was disappointed. Um, well, no, I wasn't disappointed. I was surprised how short she went off at Royal Ascot in the Albany when beaten by Dandela. And just talking about that sort of cross-reference form, obviously Rory's pick, Seattle Rock, was beaten by Dandela last time out by six and a half lengths. And Setahi at Ascot was beaten by Dandela by six lengths as well. So on that bare line of form, they'd be pretty closely matched, I would imagine. But Rory's pick is a huge price. Setahi, not so huge because she does have... Um, she had a decent reputation coming to Royal Ascot, hence the reason why she was she was well-backed and she went off the 11-4 favourite in the end. And her biggest thing is she's very slowly away. She hasn't learned to jump out the stalls all that well. She was very slowly away at Royal Ascot. And then last time out at Sandown, when she was stepped up to the seven furlongs for the first time, she didn't go up anywhere near as short a price. I thought she might be back, but she, she wasn't. And then once again, she was slowly away and that didn't help her. But that first run, um, I think that I think that Sandown form is decent, and I think that run will be is a fair enough effort. Obviously, be hoping that she can improve. The biggest thing for me with Setahi is, yeah, can she can she jump better? Because if she can, she'll help herself out at the start of the race, which will obviously have huge benefits at the end of the race. So she is my tentative pick for this, based on the fact that I hope they've done some stalls work with her in the meantime. Basically, maybe we've got the reverse forecast there for you. So that's the 320 at Newmarket taken care of. We'll switch to Ascot. This would normally be Shergar Cup weekend. Who's devastated the Shergar Cup's not going ahead? I'd rather have it than this. <laughs> oh, boy, quiet now. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't mind the Shergar Cup as a concept. Um, it's Nor do a I. Of, it's got a couple of massive flaws in it. No one really cares about the team competition, but it's a, you know... There's a betting element to that. And the other thing that's got a different betting element to it is interesting. Yeah. The silks are bonkers. I think they, they, they let some designer do the silks. So it's all uh, weird yokes and it's impossible to tell the colors apart from each other. It would not be at all difficult just to have um, plain silks with different colored hats um, for each team. But, a lot easier. But Rory, there has to be a fashion and there has to be design, flair, panache. Bring Ralph Lauren in, that's what I say. Yeah, Put a big pony on those. You, you can get that in the Magnolia Cup at Goodwood. <laughs> uh, right, it's the Dubai duty-free millennium millionaire handicap. Australis heads the betting on the bet for exchange. 2.75. Kalar, yeah, let's go with that, 6.0. Holy Kingdom, 7.0. And Sleeping Lion, who I did like for this race, 7.0. The only problem is that he was withdrawn and good to firm last time out, and it's good to firm forecast for the weekend. If they did deem conditions suitable, I'd be interested in Sleeping Lion. Uh, Rory DeLarge, your bet for the 3 o'clock at Ascot on Saturday. I'm going to take a chance here on a horse who, who is, is potentially a non-stayer, but I think he's also um, well-handicapped. He's unexposed on the flat. Uh, and that's Red Force One. Uh, for Paul Nichols, written by a daughter, uh, Megan. Uh, I thought Megan gave him far too much to do on his last flat start at Thirst when he was only fifth of eight. But he wasn't beaten, he was beaten, um, uh, you know, about a length for second place in the end um, in that contest. Um, 
and I thought he should have finished a fair bit closer. And the form has worked out. He was um, he was fifth behind Groveman. Um, Cape Coast, he was second, has won since. Um, Gibbon won and Grandi, he was third and fourth, both run well since. And of course, he's gone on and won the um, uh, the summer hurdle at Market Raisin um, since that. Now, he's a son of lethal force um, and his stamina for this kind of trip would normally be in doubt. But I find historically that horses who learn, you know, I don't like horses going over hurdles who haven't shown stamina on the flat. But once horses learn to see the races out over hurdles, I find that they carry that stamina back to the flat much better. Um, so although he, he'd not be an obvious two-miler on paper, the fact that he's got plenty of decent form over two miles, and there was, you know, an extended uh, two-mile one, it's the best almost at, um, at market racing. They do a lot of dolling out there. And he won that in good style from, from Fairmountain and, and uh, KS Marcius, Brandon Castle, who was my nap that day, um, finished fourth one next time out. That's solid form. I think the only question with him um, isn't from a handicapping perspective because I thought he, he should have gone close off 89 at Thursk. He's two pounds lower here. It's just a case of whether he really stays the trip. Um, he'll be ridden to um, uh, to pick up the pieces. He'll, he'll come from the rear of the field. That's his style of running, either flat or over hurdles. Um, and he just, he'll just he be hoping that he can pick these up with a turn of foot late in the day. Um, if it becomes a real test of stamina, um, that would be a slight concern. But as I say, I, I'm inclined to believe that, that horses who've um, been seeing things out well over hurdles are more likely to, to see the same trip out in the flat, given a chance. I've seen plenty of horses who wouldn't have stayed a mile in the old days, horses who were sort of six and seven furlong horses who ended up becoming hurdlers, then go back to the flat and stay you know, a mile and a half to two miles. Um, so that's an interesting one. So I'd give him a chance. If I wanted to be really left field, um, I did have a few Bob and Ernesto last time out the ex-German horses with Ian Williams. They ran badly um, uh, finishing down the field at, at this track um, in July. He'd run perfectly respectably for a long way uh, in the Copper Horse Handicap at Royal Ascot on his debut for Ian Williams having left Marcus Kluge in Germany. Um, he's, uh, you could question marks with him, but I think he's a lot better than the form he's shown in this country. His German form is very good. Um, he's reasonably handicapped of 98 if, if Ian Williamson get him back. I think the issue with him is one of acclimatisation. You know, he hasn't quite got his eye in yet. Um, Ian Williams hasn't been in particularly good form um, in June and July, but the horse is running better now. So I could see Ernesto uh, running a half-decent race at a huge price. I'll not be backing him here. You know, ideally, I want to see a little bit of promise for him uh, and look to back him later in the year. Um, so he'd be, he'd be spoiling my plans a little bit if he won this. And he's drawn and stole one, which, as you know, I never tend to like on the right yep. course. Well, but he's one to keep an eye on. He is currently 41.0, but really he's one for the At The Races tracker next time. Yeah, you know, he, 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 I think he has a point of a bigger price than yeah. that. Um, and I'm not saying he's of particular interest at that. I just think um, he's not a horse to judge in his two runs in the UK so far. And at some point he will do better, but I don't know when that point is going to be. Vanessa Ryle, the three o'clock at Ascot on Saturday. He's saying it like that, listeners, because what you don't know is prior to going on air, I said to the team, don't ask me about Ascot. I haven't looked at it. It's a crap card. I don't want anything to do with it. And I am standing by those comments now, basically. Vanessa, where are you right now? At home. Oh, you're not in Sky Sports Racing HQ. No, we're not allowed in anymore. Remember, COVID. Oh, 
Oh God, Rona. Um, yeah, pubs can't open in Ireland. I don't want anyone to have a go at me about not being interested in the fucking Nort 100 handicap when there's other action on the day that is more exciting. And it's no secret that I'm a liquid and above class individual and I get stuck on these big field handicaps. Here's the thing. You have a very good record in big field handicaps, but this is a little, this is a champagne problem, basically. Because we've been having no. we've been having top class racing coming at us thick and fast, yeah. and Vanessa Ryle is only interested in Moet or Bollinger. <laughs> if there's no Moet or no Bollinger, she doesn't want to know. Group it's, it's group class. That's all for Vanessa right now. It's the, the action's just, been too good. I have been spoiled, and I would just like to say that normally. On a normal day, I could get into looking at these big field Ascot handicaps, but I've been rushed off my feet today and I made a four egg omelette and now I feel sick. So I've really badly handicapped myself today and I just haven't had the chance to look at them properly. And if you can't look at them properly, then what's the point in trying to tip a horse? I just think you're incredibly brave to come on the show (laughs) when you are suffering, like so many are, from a food coma. (laughs) And, yeah. and that's the real plague that's affecting the world right now. That's the, that's the real pandemic, a food coma, but battling your way through it. I admire that. Uh, y- if you want to get a nap, let's talk about the 335 at Ascot, the Thames Hospice <laughs> Handicap. Look closely, is top of the betting here for Roger Varian and Adriad Sini at 4.5 on the Betfair Exchange. David Simcock and Haley Turner with Omi Vega, 5.5. Fox Vardy, 6.5. And Jeremiah for Charlie Fellows and Jim Crowley is 7.0 on the Betfair Exchange. Rory. Me, is it? Yes. Crikey. Surprisingly, um, in a shocking twist. In a shocking twist, it's my go again. 325. Uh, I quite like oh. Mr. Fellows' horse. Mr. Fellows is a very good trainer to follow, isn't he? He is, to be fair. He knows what he's doing with mile and a half to two mile horses. Um, he's a sharp young cookie. Uh, and I like Jeremiah. He didn't win by very far last time, right? Um, but he's a horse who's been very highly tried in his career. He, he won in the um, in the Queen's Baths at uh, Royal Ascot as a, as a three-year-old. If he runs a two-year-old, he'd be a hell of a horse, wouldn't he? Um, and then um, had a pretty easy task on his handicap debut at Thirst, um, after which he was off for the best part of two years. Um, needed, I'd say needed to run. I mean, he's actually run, he's run really well in all three of his starts this year. He finished eighth in the Cigarro Stakes. The Cigarro Stakes was a really deep contest. And he finished just behind Withhold, who's gone on to... Uh, uh, to win a listed race at uh, for the flight stakes at Newmarket uh, last weekend, um, and uh, you know he was he was in front of Royal Line in front of Ispolini. Um, you know this is I know you, you look at look at him and say he's finished eighth. It's not particularly good form, but um, this was a pretty deep contest, and it was his first run in almost two years against Group Horses. I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. He then was a lot better than the bad result in the old Newton Cup at Haydock, where he was drawn 18, uh, which is not necessarily a bad draw, but it's a bad draw if you don't start well, and he did not start well. Um, he then ran on late in the day um, to be beaten uh, not that far in the end. He was beaten a, a total of five and a half lengths in eighth of 16 there on heavy ground, which I don't think particularly suits him. Um, he then uh, ran in a... Um, not 105 handicap um, here at uh, Alaska late last month and won narrowly 
from Sam Cooke. But I love the way he did that. He wore blinkers for the first time. He'd, he'd been in cheap pieces prior to that. Um, I, I'm not I'm not a massive lover of headgear, but I think um, when you find a horse who, who benefits from it or when you think it's going to be a good idea, it's always worth looking for. I, um, I think a lot of a lot of trainers uh, end up putting headgear on horses, possibly at the bequest of owners, the behest of owners even. Um, it's a strange request to make, isn't it? Um, because they're running out, they're running out of ideas. You know, the horse isn't isn't doing what it should do. Let's put cheap pieces on it. Um, some trainers put um, cheap pieces on when they think the horse has got as high as it can on the handicap, when they think something that might help it be competitive, um, and they put cheap pieces on. And in fairness, the cheap pieces don't do the horses any harm, but they can't really make them go any faster. Um, I'd rather see a horse with blinkers if I think it's going to take to blinkers. Jeremiah, he was a little bit free in them. You know, he raced very enthusiastically and maybe um, overdid it slightly, but he found enough for pressure to beat um, a promising sword in Sam Cooke. Um, this trip, he clearly stays right. Well, he'd stay beyond this trip, uh, in fairness, but a well-run race at a mile and a half at Ascot should suit him really well, um, as he showed last time. I think he can improve on that as well, with the blinkers on for a second time. There is a... Um, there's a standard line that you you know a horse improves in blinkers. Um, if, you, if you write up race cars, for example, you do have this sort of standard, not certain to um, uh, to react so well to blinkers a second time. But actually, if you crunch the numbers, isn't there's not an awful lot in that. Um, horses who respond to blinkers usually respond to blinkers at least as well the second time as the first time, unless they're only winning by bolting. Uh, every now and again, a horse with blinkers panics runs off in a, in a blind fear and somehow manages to win as a result. Um, but horses who respond well to headgear tend to do a little bit better second time than first time uh, when you crunch the numbers. And I think that will be the case with Jeremiah. Um, you know, and again, you, you look around the, the world, other racing jurisdictions don't have the issues we do with, with headgear. Um, they, don't, um, they don't look to it as a last resort. They don't look at it as a sign of ungenuineness. Um, it just works. And of course, Charlie's um, very much an international trainer as well. And uh, the blinkers work for Jeremiah, so I don't see why they shouldn't work again. He's drawn lower than ideal in Seoul too, but he's got a jockey on board in Jim Crowley who knows how to, um, how to get him out of trouble there if needs be. Um, and he should be able to, for all he was slowly away at Haydock, um, he raced handily enough um, here last time out. And he seems to just, you know, be more forward going with the blinkers on. So I think there's plenty going for him. You know, strictly speaking, he needs to improve again off a six-pound higher mark, but um, this is a horse he's been thrown into grip company before in his in his life. I don't think the higher mark is is um, beyond him at all. Um, the time of that Ascot race was, was very solid, and uh, I think he's got a lot more a lot more going from here than, than most. Um, and in terms of horses who've won over course and distance last time out, I'd much rather have him than Luke Closely. I think Luke Closely was a little bit don't want to say flattered, but he had you know, he had the perfect run of things. And when scoring here last time, he's been able to set his own pace um, over the mile and a half. Um, and he's against uh, lower class rivals as well. He's in a class three handicap. Um, Andrea Zaini judged it really well. Um, they couldn't really get to him. He's won, he's won that easily enough, but he's up eight pounds for it. And he's in a different class of race. Um, whereas uh, Jeremiah is running in, you know, he's running in the same class um, and he's run in higher class before. So I'd much rather have him in the. Um, uh, in the match, and I don't think there are many in here who are um, who are at all progressive. So I think it's got a lot going for him.
6.5 currently on the Betfor Exchange for Jeremiah. You can probably get a little bit bigger for the 335 at Ascot. And at the time of recording on attheraces.com, Charlie Fellows has had four winners from his last 15 runners. So bang in form again. And uh, they're hitting the, the frame as well. So a nice bet from Roy Delargy. I'm liking our prospects for the weekend so far. I'm, I'm feeling it. You always do. You I'm always feeling do, it. Guys. I'm optimistic, Rory. I'm very optimistic. This brings us to Haydock for the 205. The British Stallion studs EBF Dick Hearn stakes the listed race for fillies and mares. And Voracious heads the betting for Ryan Moore and Sir Michael Stout in the bet for exchange 2.0. Festive Star for Simon and Ed Crisford, 6.0. Final Song for Said Ben Saror, uh, also 6.0. And Roger Varian and Frankie Dettori team up with Farzine, who is currently 8.0. Vanessa Ryle, the 205 at Haydock. Um, yeah, the Haydock card is more interesting for me than the Ascot card. But um, in terms of this race, I like, it's so boring. Rory's going to be just like, what the fuck is she doing? But... <laughs> I love Voracious we, and I love we've missed you Giant. Vanessa I don't love Global Giant in the next race but in the Rose of Lancaster but um, I think both Global Giant and Voracious will win and they're both very short prices so put them in a double and enjoy the Haydock card more than the Ascot card would be my advice but in terms of talking about this Dick Hearn stakes Voracious it's just I find this really interesting that they've kept her in training essentially mm. um Purely because she's owned, obviously, by owner breeders, Chiefly Park, and <clears throat> bred by them. And as a five-year-old now, it would have been completely natural for them last season to have retired her at the end of last season after she went on, uh, ran on Champions Day when she finished fourth that day. She has a group one win to her name in the foul mistakes. She ticks all the boxes. She's not, she can't, now she's got that bold black type for her page. She can't improve her page anymore. And obviously she can add to it, but she's got the best of the best on her pedigree page now. And there isn't a huge amount left for her to achieve in terms of, yeah, just improving her progeny hopes essentially because she's already ticked all the right boxes and I just find it really interesting that yeah they've decided to keep her in training and not only have they decided to keep her in training but they've also given a wind surgery to try and improve her um, over the break so now as a five-year-old just find it fascinating she's still around and she deserves to be a shorter price for this obviously she hasn't had a long time off the track but um, that wouldn't worry me too much in terms of her because on pure ability she is rated a hell of a lot higher than a lot of these she is a group one winner yes sometimes she doesn't hit the right notes and but there's often been excuses for her and she's run pretty consistently well and to a mark um, and yeah she's much the best in here and other, unlike the filly we were talking about earlier Richard Hannans who finds herself at the top of the market and new market card she obviously deserves to be at the top of the market and this shorter price um, so I'm just fascinated to see how she gets on but she's too short a price for me so hence why I'd be tempted to put her in a double with Global Giant um, the Gosden Horseman in an next race essentially uh, nice little spoiler alert for the next race as well which was dropped in at the early preview there from Vanessa just gave you the bet straight away I quite like that uh, Rory Delarge are you in agreement about Voracious at the top of the market it's not a particularly attractive betting race because you know here she is making her seasonal debut um, in August after wind surgery which is unpenalised for winning a group one um, last July and 
she's absolutely different class to these. Every single one of her runs last season uh, would win this race. The 2.0 um, is too big. Let's take it about well, voracious. I, I, no, I, I, I disagree with that. I think it's, it's, it's one of those, you, it's, you can't really make a strong case for her getting beaten. And, and it's difficult to make a really strong case for, for one to, to win against her. That You can make a, an each way case, I suppose, um, for, for several horses. Um, but, you know, she has had wind surgery. Um, you know, the idea that that, that is a, a, some kind of universal bonus has, has been disproven. Um, the chances are that she's more likely to need the first run after wind surgery and be at her best next time. So she's potentially vulnerable, but she's got, she's got so much in hand that I don't particularly want to take her on. I've never been a, a punter at even money, um, and I wouldn't be having a bet as a result. Um, in saying that, you know, she's... She's strongly supported. You're going to have um, you're going to have some decent each way prices if you want to get involved in, in something else against her. The obvious one, um, the obvious one, I suppose, being Fester Star. Um, if you can find another one in your each way double, rather than having the the two shorties, probably the rules of Lancaster is seven on a race, um, so you're not getting the uh, you're not getting the, the third place there. But uh, Fester Star um, has got the beating of Tomorrow's Dream, who's franked the form of of their clash. Um, last time out, and, and she looks the um, looks the obvious one to take advantage um, if Voracious isn't ready. Um, but in saying that, I'm not sure if you take Voracious out of the race. I'm not sure I'd be falling over myself to back Festive Star at the uh, you know at whatever price she'd be. She'd probably be seven to four or something like that um, in a in a race without Voracious. That doesn't hugely appeal to me. Uh, as you saw at Goodwood last week, I'm interested in horses who's um, who are unsexy who have the, an obvious chance on paper, but the kind of horse that people automatically pass over. And neither Voracious nor Ralph nor Festive Star have that kind of profile for me. So um, it should be reasonably straightforward for the favourite, but it's a no-bet race for me. Recommendation, no-bet from Rory. Vanessa Ryle, Voracious 205, Haydock. Uh, that brings us to the 240, which is the Rose of Lancaster Group 3 stakes. Uh, it'll be run on the inner track. Uh, Global Giant, already alluded to by Vanessa Ryle, 2.2. On the bet for exchange for John Gosden and Frankie Dettori. Zaki is back once again. Uh, around about 5.0 on the bet for exchange. Extra elusive for Holly Doyle and Roger Charlton. 6.0. Vanessa, you've already made the case for Global Giant. Uh, do you want to expand on that in the 240 at Haydock? Global Giant in this race uh, is not a particularly strong contest, this Rose of Lancaster Stakes. Uh but for me, just interesting, I guess Frankie the Tory is coming up to Haydock for two rides, although as previously discussed, there's not much else on. Um, although I'm, you know, elsewhere, it's not like he would have gone to Ascot for 800 handicaps. So he finds himself up at Haydock. Um, and you can see Ascot live on Sky Sports Racing. And his other ride is a much bigger price in the previous race. So he's obviously coming up to ride Global Giant, who is at the top of the market for obviously a team that is tipping along rather nicely. Um, Global Giant's weird profile because came from Ed Dunlop's and actually hasn't improved really for moving to John Gosden, you couldn't say. On his race record, he's two from three for John Gosden now. So you might say has improved. But actually, when you look at it, he won a listed race for his previous trainer, and he's won a listed race last time out for his current trainer. Um, 
this will be of a similar, he'll have to just bang that out again, a similar level of form. And I think it's well within his capabilities. He's an older horse now, but he's obviously maybe been freshened up by the move of yards. And yeah, he's a tentative pick, but he's even money favourite and it's four to on the field, the rest. So it's not exactly rocket science. And that's hence why I thought, you know, just it's so, so tacky, isn't it? It's tacky the word. Just put the two hot favourites in a double at Haydock. I think that's tacky. I know exactly what the description for this is. This is a Claude Duval VIP bet. (laughs) I like it. I was watching The Chase the other day, and one of the questions was, Claude Duval, the punter's pal, was a a reporter in what sport? Rugby, cricket, horse racing. And I thought, you know what? You're an absolute legend if you've made it on the chase. So well done, Claude. Which means that we can just take the piss out of you again. Uh, Global Giant, the Claude Duval VIP bet as part of the double, the favourite in the previous race. Roy Delargy, he was denied a clear run uh, back in Sandown. But last time out, probably hit the front a little bit sooner than ideal and still was able to hold off Extra Elusive quite comfortably. He'll take all the beating here. Yeah, I, I could see Extra Elusive um, turning the tables. I don't think it's... I don't think it's um, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, this will be the first time Extra Elusive will be ridden by Holly Doyle, who's the new retained rider for his owner. Um, the form of the race has worked out perfectly well with Pat- Pablo Escobar um, going and winning uh, next time out. Um, but Extra Elusive was taking a step forward from from uh, Royal Ascot, where he was behind Prince Aichi, um, but ahead of Walk in the Sands. Uh, so he's taken a step up from his his previous race, he didn't settle fully. Um, and that's been his issue in his career so far, but he does give the impression he can do a little bit better. And he's with a trainer who's very, very good at just gradually getting to grips, uh, with horses like him and, and bringing them to a peak a little bit, literally with, with, with holes, for example. Um, I don't think there's a massive amount, um, in this between, between global giant and extra elusive. And at the prices, I would, um, I'd give um, the Charlton horse a, um, a chance of, of turning it around. It's a, um, as Vanessa said, it's not a particularly good race. Zaki's been a little um, a disappointing of late. Um, the, the quicker the ground gets, the better for him. I'm just not sure it's quite going to be fast enough for him. Hey, uh, they were racing on Quidditch ground the other day, but the going stick reading was, about, was five point something or six. Um, and it, uh, again, a lot of horses run that Haydock on quick grind, grind as if it's much softer. Um, it seems to it seems to be a, a strange track like that. We've, I, I did describe it as custard at once at one stage, didn't I? Yes, um, you did. And this, you know, if you're if you're taking that, you've got to look at the physical properties of custard. The faster you go, the faster it is. But if you stand still, you're sinking it. Um, interestingly, on the subject of weak group races. I know that Global Giant, his main target for the season um, is a, a race with no uh, group or listed status, but it's worth about £250,000. Go on. Um, I think that's the, the Bahrain International Trophy is where he'd be going in December, November or December. Because oh. obviously, obviously his, his owner is, um, is uh, uh, based in Bahrain. Um, so his season is, is geared around that. The, the interesting thing uh, for me with him was w- when he won his last race, when he won the Stevenson Stakes at Newbury, um, there was no plan from John Gostin about where he would go, just that 
you know, they were working back towards this um, this racing barrier. And this is a bit of an afterthought for him. Not that, you know, it, it, it comes at the right kind of time. It's three weeks after his previous run. Um, and that's, a, that's good spacing race-wise. But it just seems to, you know, it falls into his into his pattern of racing and therefore he's going to run here rather than this is a race they've had in mind for him. Um, and essentially it does look like a listed race on paper, doesn't it? Yeah. We had 114 rated winner of this race last year at IEB. It's interesting that Global Giant is still a full horse. He, he may stand as a, as a sire out there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Know, I don't know whether his owner has a, has a stud, but it wouldn't be at all surprising if he's, if he's just some interest out there and the, and the horse is, is planning them to be you know, one of his one of his stallions. And to be fair, being a Shamadal out of a Delicani mare, he'd be attractive out there, I'm sure. To sum this up, Rory, you want to go with extra elusive because of the I bigger price. Extra elusive, extra elusive. I, I don't think there's a, there's a compelling argument to say that he will turn the tables with Global Giant, but I think there's a possibility if he settles a little bit better, uh, that will help. And of course, you could Holly Doyle on board for the first time. No disrespect to Jason Watson at all, but um, did you see her first ride for Imad Al-Sagar? Incredible. Oh, yeah. oh. Stunning stuff. Was it a brilliant ride or was it just like... It was a brilliant... I mean, it's not... I wouldn't say it was a brilliant ride in that she was riding a newcomer and she gave him an educational ride while also giving him a chance to win the race, which he took. Yeah. Uh, and in that respect, it was a very good ride because she made no mistakes. She didn't make the mistake of trying to chase him along early to um, to get after the leaders and get him unbalanced and, you know... Um, run his race upside down. But she also didn't bury him so far back in the field that he was running on strongly into second or third place in the last furlong. And you think, oh, if he'd been given a chance, he might have won that. She gave him that chance and he won. Only the second ride for John Gosden for Holly Doyle and her first winner for him. You can watch it back on the at the races site, 7.15 Lingfield on the 4th of August. Um, Faisal, it was absolutely brilliant. So Holly Doyle and Roger Charlton, but the aforementioned John Gosden, for Vanessa and I with Global Giants. We will look ahead to Sunday next. August 13th, 2010. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the Betfair exchange and get a £5 free bet. With each free bet you win, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back or exchange bets, place Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds to £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. The pre-Maurice de Geest will be live on Sky Sports Racing, and this is a mouth-watering clash. Now this, Vanessa's definitely going to be excited about. Earthlight, 2-1. to one. Space Blues, 5-1. to one. Golden Horde, 5-1. to one. Wichita and Lope Fernandez, around about the same price, uh, in between 6 and 7-1. to one. And Hallo Yumzane, 9-1. to one. Vanessa Ryle, this is going to be a cracker. This is going to be a cracker. And talking from, as I have just pointed out, a girl who is middle distance sort of stayers through and through. I've really got into the sprinters more than ever this season. I've just loved it. It's been, there's been some explosive performances all over the shop and some great stories from like the likes of Golden Horde and Hello Yumzain at Royal Ascot, obviously Oxted at, at the July, in the July Cup, and loads of others in there too. It's just been a fascinating division this year. And yeah, it's really actually got me fully engaged in the sprinters. Um, 
as a sort of I don't know. I I, I always can appreciate a fast horse, but the competitiveness and the storylines this season have really got the blood flowing. Um, and this is going to be an exceptional race, but I'm not surprised that Earthlight is at the top of the betting because for me, I think um, you will remember. I think both of you were on the podcast when I was banging on about Golden Horde on that golden day of Royal Ascot. Remember? Yes. Anyone will know that I was a Golden Horde fan because of Golden Horde's form with Earthlight from their two-year-old career. Um, and that hasn't changed and I'm not going to abandon him now. His return to action at Deauville was very good. Um, he's clearly had it when it should have been because of the class of race he was in and what he was racing against. But it was a nice starting point for Earthlight. He's obviously had his setbacks along the way and I'm not entirely sure what they have been. Um, he's had missed targets and he's had some targets mentioned stepping up in trip and staying at sprinting distances and all sorts of stuff and actually he hasn't reached a couple of those races that have been sort of um, mentioned for him but obviously he got that nice prep run into him and now he's coming into a group one and he's staying at the sprinting in the sprinting division which I find quite interesting um, just on the basis that yeah like I said it's obviously been discussed that he might step up in trip at some point but yeah, Earthlight for me, and but I feel bad even saying it. It's just such a good race. I'm looking at it now. It's just like you've got horses in there that are clearly overpriced. Hello, Yumzane. His performance at Royal Ascot and just the way in which he did that, and maybe I don't want to back Earthlight. God, I don't know now. Are you- I'm very confused. Are you talking this. yourself out of this bet live on the, on the I'm show? I'm talking myself out of it, but he has a short price against some very, very fast horses that are going to appreciate the trip and the track. And now I'm just thinking, is he too short? He's not a value bet, is he? Nope. He's not a value bet, but I love him. But I mean, the other thing with him, of course, is Golden Horde looks like he's improved from two to three. And on what we've seen of Earthlight so far, we cannot say he's improved because of he won two Group 1 races as a two-year-old. He was absolutely top class. What he's come out and done this season has obviously not improved on that yet. The question mark is, will he do a Pinatubu and will he just be the same horse he was at two or will he have progressed? And if he has progressed, how much has he progressed? And that's what we'll find out in a Group 1 race at the weekend over six and a bit furlongs. Um, and that's what I'm really excited about with Earthlight is has he stepped up because he's already exceptional. He was my favorite Godolphin two-year-old last year. I was at Deauville when he won um, his first that against Golden Horde. And it was just, dare I say, it's just a really cool horse. He kind of only, it's not that he only does enough, but, you know, he's not ultra flashy. He's not a Pinatubu. He's not like winning by streets and lengths. But he gets the job done and he's, got a huge engine and when they get stuck into him he's like oh go on then and he's just much better than the rest um so i think a few of his victories have been pretty cozy snug wins and i'm just excited to see him in this top level against a really deep field if he wins this he'll get a place on my mantelpiece uh, like um but it's a big old ask isn't it it's a big when you look at the depth of the field it's a huge ask it is. I kind of feel my old friend Hallo Yumzain is overpriced here, <laughs> given the fact he's a proper Group One horse. It was a disappointing run last time out, but it was just last time out. Horses aren't machines. Not uh, that disappointing, really. Yeah, it was. It was fine. I just expected a bit more from him. Um, Rory. 
Can I be you for a second? Go on. In his stellar 40-year training career, how many of these has Andre Favre won? Oh. I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to I'm going to assume that this is a trick question, so I'm going to say none. None is the correct answer. Oh! I retire from these questions, brilliant, fantastic, done. Not oh, a wow. single one. He's won every group one imaginable in France. He's never won this. That's weird. And you can read this two ways. I think it's slightly strange to reflect even in this race, to be honest, although that may well be owner pressure. Um, but, Why? Um, Why do you find it strange is in this race? Well, because of, because of how good he looked last season as... A, um, a a miler in the making, yeah. And I know he had a lot of speed, but but his trainer was was adamant that a mile would would um, be fine for him. Um, if that is the case, then this is a strange race to run him in um, when you've got um, when you've got the uh, a very very um, good series of uh, top class mile races in France. Um, you'd want to go for the um, for the Maurice de Geest, which is you know, it's a straight, a six and a half furlongs is a very odd trip. It has to be said, um, and it's well, it's, it is a bit of a specialist distance. I, and um, Earthlight clearly wasn't didn't have to be at his best uh, to win on his um, on his return in listed company. No penalty to carry that day either over six furlongs. Maybe he's just shown you know loads and loads of speed. Obviously, his last run last season was in the middle park. He's, he's unproven beyond six. So you know, on paper, this is absolutely fine for him. But you know, his trainer was never talking him up as a as a no, he was top sprinter. In saying that, you know, um, playing devil's advocate, uh, no French trainer would ever um, call their top juvenile potential sprinter because the the race isn't a particularly prestigious sprint pattern in France, is there? Um, the Abai frequently goes to hurdlers uh, trained in the UK, ex hurdlers. Uh, you know, the, the French don't tend to win it very often. Um, and their big sprint prizes tend to get plundered more often than not. They're not that interested in sprinting fundamentally. Mm. So I suppose that's why if you've got a really good two-year-old, you don't think, you know, this will win the Morris de Geest I mean, next season. I, I, it's interesting what you say there about like your opening thing of this is just it's a strange race for him to be in and the mention of owner pressure. I looked at it the absolute other way, which maybe is the wrong way to look at it. I was like, wow. He must be showing a lot of speed at home for them not to have stepped him up to a mile. Like, what an extra, what a strange decision when they were talking about him, like you say, as uh, that being a natural progression, and it looked like that would suit him all of last year, essentially. So I, I read it like, God, he must, because that you do have, you know, people naturally think as a two-year-old, if you're running well at six furlongs, you'll step up nicely to seven furlongs in a mile as a three-year-old, and that is obviously the way it normally goes. But some horses can develop, like you know, develop into sprinters and show much more speed, and you see horses being dropped down in trip and suddenly surprising on the speed front. And so I did just wonder if he was I viewed too fast to run from her. I just viewed it as he must be showing a huge amount of speed at home for them to Yeah, that's that's why I looked at his his record in the race because I you know you can you can view that a couple of ways. You can say, you know, he wants to fill in one of the few gaps there is on a CV um before he retires. Um because you know he can't he won't be training for too much longer. He's been around for, for 
a long time. Um, so, you know, when you get to that stage of your career, you think of your legacy, you want to win all the, all the big races you possibly can. But I think the reason he's not won this before is because it's never been a race that's terribly appealed to him. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing that he's been the dominant trainer in France for so long, and yet this is missing from his CV. That that can't be anything but notable and worrying about Earthlight. Yeah, I mean, obviously things can change, and your outlook can change as you, as you get older. Um, and obviously, the fact that Earthlight's in this race at all is, is very interesting. Um, I don't, I don't think I've got a really, really strong view of it because most of the, it's worth bearing, this is six and a half furlongs. Horses that are, you know, as effective at five as they are at six would have stamina doubts over the extra half furlong, you know, because they do go, they go hard here. Yep. The draw comes into play as well. They usually get a big field in this. Um, and it's often, um, I've got the winning draws for this in, in recent years. It's surprising how often, um, uh, going from 2008, 2008 onwards, still 14 of 16, 7 of 12, 14 of 15, 12 of 13, 9 of 10, 11 of 14, 13 of 15, uh, 4 of 12, bucking the trend, all on favourites, 10 of 16, 12 of 13, 13 of 20, and 10 of 15. Um, so you, you can see from that that it's been, um, it's been historically disadvantageous to be drawn low. Um, so you have to bear that in mind. We don't know what the draw is. Um, at this stage, so if you're going to get heavily stuck into the race, you, you're you're punting the draw as much as anything. Um, may it may well be that Earthlight um, turns out to be a different class to his rivals here. I would um, I, I wouldn't be betting heavily on this, as I said, without without knowing exactly uh, what the makeup of the field is, the going, the draw. Um, you're, you're betting blind too much. I'd be inclined to give another chance to Wooded though, um, if everything uh, pops out in his favour. He ran in the, the uh, you know, I liked him for Royal Alaska. He didn't travel over, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, he then ran in the um, in the Jean Pratt last time over seven furlongs and didn't see it out. Uh, traveled very well um, for six of those seven furlongs and then didn't quite get home behind Pinatubo. Far from disgraced. Um, just being a short neck for third um, with Lope Fernandez in second. Um, I thought the, um, the half furlong shorter trip um, would bring him strongly into the equation. And I thought he would run a, a decent race, but you know it's um, it's a race that I prefer to wait till the day and see what the makeup of the field is and the draw um, before I get heavily involved. But as I said, you know I like Wooded before. Um, it's not hard to find excuses for his run. And to be honest, uh, his fourth in the Jean Pratt is as good as our flight um, had to run to when winning a listed race last time out. So you don't have to engineer a way that he's got to improve the stone to win the race. He's running to the same sort of level as a favourite, and he's going to be five times the price. What do you make of Wichita? Because this, if we're going to talk about the the trip and who's going to be suited by it, uh, you got to go back to two thousand and one for the last time Aidan O'Brien won this race. Can you remember who it was, Rory? Uh, no, I can't. I would have been very impressed if you got this. It was King Charlemagne. Yeah, I can too. I'd have been hugely impressed if you got that. But given the unique test of this trip, that it's six and a half furlongs, Wichita, or as Peter Fornatel makes me pronounce it, Wichita, uh, and Lope Fernandez, having got so close to Pinatubu last time out, maybe they're the two that we should be focused on, and this trip could be ideal for Wichita. It's it's three three races in in well, it's it's two races in very quick succession. 
um, uh, given that you know you you I can't think many horses have, have taken in the Sussex Stakes and then the Morris Degays. Yeah, I'd agree with um, that. In, um, and although you, if you watch that race as a one-off, you'd say we didn't he didn't last home and he he dropped he should drop back a trip. I just thought it looked like you know he was having his third um, tough run of the season and he just he just regressed a little bit for us. Um, and he probably didn't enjoy Goodwood either. You know, it's, it was a slightly messy race, and, and he didn't look didn't look in love with the track. So I, I'd be happy to draw a line through that. But I don't think um, you know if it, if it ended that in the first place, then it would have been interesting. You know, you can look at his pedigree and say that um, he's he's made for this kind of trip. You know, but he's never raced over this. All his runs at um, at two were over seven, um, and he stayed he stayed the mile. Um, perfectly well, despite the fact that he was he was passed um, at uh, in the Guineas and at Royal Ascot and the St James's Palace. Um, you wouldn't have put um, lack of stamina down as the reason he was beaten there. He did a lot on the front end um, at, at Newmarket, uh, and he was just passed on late after getting involved in the battle at, at Ascot as well. Um, but of course, you look at his pedigrees. By no way, never had a dashing blade mare, and you could argue that you know if they wanted to to go down this route it would have suited him but they've turned him into a minor already and trying to reinvent him so quickly after the Sussex strikes me as being unlikely mm. I guess it'd be, a fair, it'd be a fair training feat if, if he hadn't managed it but this clearly hasn't been a long term plan you could definitely say it's, it's been the plan for his stablemate for Lope Fernandez, and maybe this will yes. be a, a situation where he's actually the first choice but it looks as though Wichita is. It'll be it'll be fascinating to see who Ryan rides. I, I presume it'll be Wichita, but uh, you think so? I, I, I Lupe Fernandez seems seems just a much more obvious horse for this race. Hmm. He you does. Know, he's, he's come out that, that cracking run in the um, uh, in the Jean Prat last time out, um, and he's you know he, he's been. He doesn't exactly have a. He's got a slightly patchy profile, it has to be said, but his best efforts. Um, you know, give him a, a decent chance. He didn't get the, he didn't see the best of him in the Irish Guineas. Um, but you know, if you if you cut that um, Jean Pratt back to six and a half furlongs, he'd have been he'd have been very close indeed. Very much. You know, so. he's only you know he's he's in front with with a hundred yards to go. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, thought the trip would suit him absolutely ideally. Um, and he did have you know his best form was over six um, as a two year old arguably, um, and the six and a half seems to. Seems to suit him really well, despite the fact that his pedigree suggests, unlike his stablemate, his pedigree suggests he should be minor quarter horse. Pedigrees, what do they know? Yeah, what a pedigree style. If we go dosage indexes, uh, final selections, Vanessa. <sighs> Brando to place. Oh, from left field, and he's not even in the race. He is. No, he's not. He's running. Where is he? There are 12 runners. Brando is not one of them. Are you looking at last year's race? Last, well, last year's race, yeah. <laughs> no, I thought, I thought they were going to run him. No. Nope. When he's I say out. I think they thought they were going to run him, it's because we've just done a feature on Kevin Ryan and he's talking about him picking up the pieces in behind Hello Yumsane. Oh, no. So the plan was, but it ain't happening. There'll be no Brando says go on Sunday. So with Brando out, 
Are you going to go with your heart and headlights? Uh, Earthlights? Or are you going to go elsewhere? <laughs> Headlights. Headlights. That's the best one yet. Jeez. Headlight. Get me more uh, coffee now. I, d- I don't know. Rory's made me feel jibby about it. Oh, don't just go for it. I'm just throwing the question out there. I don't know. Okay. okay. It's, it's I'm going but... for it. And if it wins, it'll be one hell of a day. Whichever of the Aiden O'Brien two is drawn highest of the twelve is the one I'll back. Rory. Uh, as I said, would it, um, it remains of interest for me? I'd, I'd probably want to see double figures about him, um, and I'd want to see a draw that that, um, uh, that favoured me as well. So not not a race to go mad about, but um, would it a possibility? The Keeneland Phoenix Stakes at the Curra will be the feature race, Group One over six furlongs, the 10 past three. And Steel Bull has been supplemented for the race and will wear new colours. He has the speaking colours silks to wear now. And he is favourite for the race. There is then a whole list of entries and who knows who's going to line up. So Rory, easy question. Who runs and wins the Phoenix Stakes? Horrible, horrible question, really, isn't it? Um, it's a good bit of business from from Michael Callahan um, getting that result out of Steelpool and selling him on uh, to run in the colours of Chantal Regalado Gonzalez. Beautiful pronunciation. Um, you got Beautiful. To that, don't you? And her uh, and her lovely husband, who is uh, a man who likes no publicity, which is why they could, which is why they couldn't announce who bought the horse straight away. I can't say who's bought it, but obviously you'll see it in the entries tomorrow. Get awkward. Just w- uh, wait a day and then you'll know. <laughs> uh, that was very, very odd, but still slightly, slightly amusing. Um, but this is a big step up. You know, the race he won at Google was not, not a particularly um, grand contest. Uh, and this is, um, this is a, a stiffer test altogether. Um I assume, well, the Learjet looks like he's going to run because he's, he's dropped up Ben Kuhn yep. um, on board from Michael Bell. There's just a hell of a lot to like about him. Um, I'd, I'd have him as my um, as my favourite for the race. Um, he's he's uh, a one-on debut when the market suggests he might just need it um, in all the running. Um, he's then um, he's then run out a, a cosy winner of the Norfolk States at Royal Ascot. Um, again, he's been very well, but he cost eight grand as a yearly, um, and then was um, I think he was uh, was it Michael Bell's son who who part owned him in the first place, and he's obviously uh, been sold on to uh, to carry these well known colours. So good bit of business there. Um, and I thought he ran absolutely cracker in the in the, the Robert Papa last time out, um, which was run over a. A slightly unusual trip, of course. The race won, as everyone knows, by Kevin Blake. Uh, yeah. Ventura, Ventura Tormenta uh, won the race, bred, bred by Kevin. But you think he'd have, he was the jockey, the horse, and the trainer uh, for for all the reporting you heard in the race afterwards. Uh, but great, but, he did. He did uh, everything. Joey, he shooed him up. Decide. He shooed him up. He got uh, the saddle cloth on him. He did all of it. 
but uh, yes, it was, a, it was a great result for all concerned. But yeah. yes, um, uh, given the given the small circle we tend to uh, we tend to live in, it all seemed to be about Kevin, um, and uh, that's not a complaint from my point of view. But um, uh, the Lear Jet Ventura Tormenta, I thought um, the Lear Jets. I mean, you watch that race again. I, I keep thinking the Lear Jets won it. Yeah, um, he looks like he's just edged out. Uh, Ventura Tormenta on the line um, but he, he gets done on the nod it's been a short head um, I thought he did everything right in the race I thought it wasn't it probably wasn't beneficial they raced in two groups here that's the bizarre thing it's a four runner race mm-hmm. and they've raced in two groups yeah. um, in the first place and it was definitely um, well it looked more of a benefit to race towards the rail there uh, where Ventura Tormenta and uh, Tiger Tanaka race and the problem you have with the race is there's a short head in the neck between first uh, and second and second and third and the only other runner was tailed off so you might be a little bit wary of the uh, of the form but I just watching it over and over again it strikes me as as being pretty solid um, despite the narrow margins and I was still very taken by the Learjet I don't think he was helped by being on the outside of the field um you know, you're always inclined to over-race in that kind of scenario. But he, he raced sweetly. And I thought when, when Oshin Murphy asked him to, to do what he had to do, I thought he knuckled down really well. And I thought he was unlucky to, to, to lose the race on the nod. Um, that was over six furlongs. You know, he looked all speed up until then. But I was wondering, you know, the, 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 the rubber happens normally over five and a half at Maison Lafitte. Obviously, Maison Lafitte not in operation. So they ran a Chanty instead and they increased the distance um, to six furlongs. Um, so I was wondering whether there might be a little bit of a, a chink in his armour there um, over six. But he's going on again on the line. He's finishing best. Um, so I've really got no problem with him at the trip, which I couldn't say for Frenetic. I don't think Frenetic really wants six furlongs. Um, Gerard Lyons is Philly, and I'm, you know, she's in the, in the line up here. She wouldn't have much to find on form getting three pounds. Um, but she's, she really hit a peak when she won at the Curra on her second start. Um, that was in the... Um, uh, the first flyer stakes. Um, and she showed an awful lot of speed there. And although she ran really well in her next start, uh, the Curra over six, you got the impression that she'd have won that. Uh, the early stud stakes had it been five furlongs, she was just outstayed in the end. Uh, and then a wee bit disappointed that she couldn't win a listed race next time out. And I, I think kept at this trip with her run style, she'll be setting it up um, for finishers if indeed um, she is a runner. Um, no one likes committing their jockeys to these races either, do they? So it's a little bit of a, a toss-up who you're going to see in the end. Um, yeah, I, I must. I am surprised to see the bulls as short as he is because uh, for all that was a really promising run um, last time. I, a, it was five furlongs. I know they think he'll stay six, and, and I should stay six. But you're bound to say if you've got a half decent horse, especially if you're looking to sell them, you're not going to say he won't stay a yard beyond five because that's suddenly you know, devalues him massively. Um, on pedigree, he's bound to, being by Clodoville out of an Equiano mare, and is related to, to winners over further. Um, but the um, the Molcombe is, is not always a particularly strong race um, in the two-year-old pattern. And it's a wee bit surprising that he's won um, a, a race that was a little bit of a bunched finish. For all, you would mark him up as the best horse in the race and the one most likely to improve for it. I don't think he's done enough to be favourite for a race like this. I think he's favoured because he's been bought and he's been supplemented. Yeah. If he was if he was in the same you know, if no one had bought him after after Goodwood and he ran here, um, 
you know, well, obviously he wouldn't have been entered in the first place, but had he been entered and he hadn't been bought, he wouldn't be as short as he is at all. No. Um, if you've got the money, and let's face it, uh, Mrs. Regalado Gonzalez is not short of a few bob, or her lovely husband who doesn't like to be mentioned. Um, so supplementing her for this is not, not that big a deal. Uh, do you know how much it was, by the way? I actually don't, Rory. As it wouldn't be, because it's, it's, always, it's always related to the, the prize pool, isn't it? Like yeah, it's 200 grand guaranteed. Fund. Yeah. But what the, the, what the supplementary fee was, I do not know. But it, you know, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a massive um, uh, a massive kick in the nuts, would it? To be perfectly honest, to, to supplement him for this race, given the given connections, a so. minor percentage of what it cost to buy him in the first place. But the other thing then is is this yeah. being pushed on by the new owners? Are they saying we're buying this horse and we want him to run in a Group One, or are they listening to Michael Callahan who's saying, yeah, yeah, I'd really like to run this horse in the Phoenix, by the way, if you're willing to supplement? That we don't know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, either way. I mean, clearly, you, you'd imagine a horse um, who was able to win a group race a week after his debut um, has to be well above average. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's, he's the kind of horse, he's, he's ready-made, he's going to go forward. Um, he was, you know, and most importantly of all, the original owners were very keen to sell. You know, they were desperate to sell, really, weren't they? Well, were they? Yeah, I think so. Come on, they, they pretty much went on TV saying, buy the horse, for goodness sake. They're sellers. They're yeah. sellers. They're sellers. They're not, they're not in it for, they run it. They couldn't, you know, with, uh, without meaning any disrespect at all, uh, they, you know, it was always the intention to win early with this horse and sell it on. Yeah, that is their um, business model. You're not suggesting yeah. that this is an Amazon Black Friday thing where by now... And get it if you if you're the first one in, you get a twenty percent discount. But they do that's that's how they run things. And it, look, it makes sense for them. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I think I think the the point to this is he's short and short enough that we can take on. We have no idea who Aidan O'Brien is going to run as we're recording uh, two twenty eight on Thursday. So v- Vanessa, for you, uh, I mean, look, it's going to be great for Blake if Ventura Tormenta can come here and win. Declan McDonough takes over from Christoph Sumian having one last time out. But I think that Rory makes a good point. The race was, it was odd last time. It was a fantastic scene, particularly given the fact that we know Midnight Oasis and what an incredible story she's been. But this is deeper water. Uh, it's just a matter of trying to sift out who's actually going to line up, Vanessa. Yeah, it is about that. And obviously just reluctant to delve too much into a lot of the runners based on the fact we don't know what is going to run. But I'd be very much with Rory in terms of the Learjet and um, giving him another chance at the trip and also um, to reverse that form. I just, for me, yeah, the pre-Robert Papan confused me basically from start to finish really. And um, the fact that I, I still watch it now and I'm surprised, somehow surprised the Learjet didn't win. <laughs> I'm the same, actually. So, I keep thinking he's going to get it on the replay. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just bizarre. Um, it's just one of those races and it, it fell the way of our good friend, um, which I was actually personally delighted about, as I'm, I think we all were. But in terms of the Learjet, 
all the things Rory said, really. I just can't get away from him running down Golden Pal at Royal Ascot. I just, the way he did that, his, um, you know, he showed endless speed on debut and like breaking the track record, all being covered before. He's obviously a complete, um, he's just got a huge, huge engine. But the way he chased down Wesley Ward's runner at Royal Ascot, I just love that. He just had a great attitude, ultra professional. They're banging him in in another high grade race. And, I he'd be my selection here if they run him, which it looks like they're going to. Um, and I, I'm I'm pleased that they're looking to take this option to take him over to Ireland and to run him in a Group One, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I yeah, I really like him, and I think that the trip and the track will suit. And he's just a horse that is near enough a full package for me. I'm just surprised that he doesn't have a one next to his name last time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we talked about him in depth after Royal Ascot. He's going to be a fascinating runner. Ben Cohen on board. I don't know who Aiden's going to run. Um, he did say follow the Air Force Blues and Giorgio yeah. Vasari did get into the winner's enclosure on the last two starts and was very, very good at Nace despite being weak in the market. So maybe he can follow in his dad's footsteps and win this race and then be a bitterly disappointing three-year-old. But we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting race. The last race to talk about is the Rathskar Stud Phoenix Stakes, the Group 3. Won back in the day by one cool cat, and Air Force Blue bombed in this race. It was the beginning of the end for him. Well, I think at that stage it was really the end. Uh, speaking colours, could it be a double? Or? Year's day was the beginning of the end for him. Oh, jeez. God almighty. Guinea's bets gone left, right, and centre. Hopes destroyed, dreams shattered. Stop talking about it, Emmett. You're going to need to go back into therapy. Yes? Do you want me to know something? Um, Rathaska Stud Mm -hmm. is owned and run by Morris Burns. Hello, Morris. And Morris Morris Burns is just like one of the stand-up guys in the bloodstock world. He's had a huge amount of success, but he's also just a really great guy. His daughter is called Madeline Burns, and Madeline Burns... Uh, bought and sold Steel Bull. Oh, good connection, Vanessa Ryle. Nicely done. Nicely done indeed. And that is why Vanessa Ryle is on the Final Forum podcast. Uh, you can take it away, Vanessa. Who is your pick for the last race that we're going to talk about this weekend, the Phoenix Sprint Stakes? Well, a little bit of a left field one because, again, not sure who's going to run and don't know if uh, this horse will run because Speaking Colours isn't there for the same yard. I'm not sure. But a horse that just keeps catching my eyes, Alligator Alley, uh, mm. for Joseph O'Brien. Again, um, obviously got a better fancied runner in Speaking Colours in here who's ever, ever consistent. And Alligator Alley's a much bigger price, so I'm, I'm not really sure. But um, he's a horse who I haven't lost faith in yet. He was a very, very fast two-year-old, and then he disappointed. He's disappointed a couple of times, Um but there's been excuses. They took him over to America around him at the end of last year and he bombed out a bit there. But he's he's a horse who's got a huge, huge engine and he won a listed race, went well punted last year. And then he made his return to action at Nace uh, last time out. That was another listed race over the five and a half furlongs. And he was beaten by Jess Carrington's runner, that big price um, horse who's been well beaten since. So I suppose 
the form doesn't stand up. But Alligator Alley, the best of the horses who made their way home on the far side rail at Nace. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the negative would be that that form of the race hasn't exactly um, stood up rock solid at this point. But for me, the question with Alligator Alley is, will this extra half furlong bring out some improvement in what was, like I say, a very fast two-year-old? And on breathing, you'd say yes, because a lot of his relatives have excelled over sort of a mile and, and further, actually. Um, but the Kingman blood in Alligator Alley brings in all the speed. And I just, I'm interested to see him stepped up in trip. And he just could be a bit of a left field option here if they decide to run him. I think he does have talent and an engine. I just don't see, we've, I don't think we've seen its best effect on recent starts. Um, but last time out was good. And I think he could, you know, I think he could score in one of these races at some point, whether this will be it, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's just one to keep an eye on. I very much agree. Interestingly, still owned by Coolmore. Derek Smith, the Magners, Shanahan and Carthy, uh, given the colours he's wearing. Rory, for you? Uh, I'd love to see Glenn Shield um, in the race. He's an old favourite um, of yours. Old favourite man. I've, I've been uh, banging the drum for him, dropping to six furlongs, and he's been a star at the trip. Um, his form since dropping to, uh, to, to six furlongs being 2-1-2-1. Uh, Unfortunately, I've Find him on the day he managed to get beaten, but um, uh, I'd like to see him in there. He's been second in a in a, um, a group three at Deauville um, before coming back and, and winning a, um, a a very good conditions race at um, at Newcastle uh, a few days ago. So this will come up fairly quickly for him, and I don't know if he's an attended runner, uh, but I'd like to see him in there because um, well, it's nice when you when you call one right to see it. Um, uh, continue to run well but I, I just thought it's very hard to get away from Mill Isle isn't it what price is she 7 to 4 yeah I mean it's skinny enough but you know I guess she just wasn't nearly as fit as, as they thought she was um, at home because um, her run in the, she just looked like she was badly in need of the run in the guineas yeah. um, she travelled okay and then suddenly lost her place and then plugged on late in the day um, she then ran a bit better um, in the uh, in the Commonwealth Cup, or a lot better in the Commonwealth Cup at Royal Ascot. I thought she was I thought she was a big eye catcher there because she was racing um, on the wrong side of the track. She was just sort of middle to far side, and and um, all those fighting out the finish um, were racing towards the the stand side rail. So I thought she was I thought it was a much much more promising effort. Um, and since then, she's she stepped forward again to. I mean, she ran into um, an absolute superstar in her next start um, in our car. Uh, I think we're going to hear an awful lot more of him. He's been big time. He's been stunning um, in a short career so far. But uh, you know, she's um, she was well clear of Zarzini um, in third. Um, you know, if you take him out of the race, she's won that um, contest by four and a half lengths. Uh, and then she went to the Ballyogan Stakes, and she's won that by. Yeah, she won that by a very easy four legs. It wasn't much of a contest for a group three in the end um, because the favourite Forever and Dreams ran a bit of a stinker in seventh. But, you know, it was a, it was a big field and they were all fairly useful sorts. Um, but she she beat them senseless and she just looks like she's doing everything now that she promised to do last year. Um, but for whatever reason, she just wasn't... I don't know, she wasn't in gear, wasn't wasn't fully wound up for for her first run of the season, and she's looked a different horse since. It wasn't like she didn't shift like a non-stayer at, at Newmarket. That's the odd thing about it. She obviously dropped back and trip, and she's she's flourishing. But um, she, you'd have thought she'd have travelled well for a long way and then faded 
in the last furlong or so, but she um, she just lost her pitch very quickly mid-race. Um, and she's looked a completely different filly since, but she's been gradually working her way out towards that. Um, and her last, you know, her runs since have all been steps in the right direction. She doesn't need to improve to win this, does she? She just needs to run the same as she did last time out. But now that she's thriving, you'd expect her to take a step forward again. And um, as a result, find it extremely hard um, to look away from her. I completely understand why. Uh, I think of, given the prices, and again, this is a race that we're sort of still waiting to see who's going to line up. The one who interests me most is Sana Leah, who will be having her third start for... Paddy Toomey, having won two on the bounce for him. She won, won her last start uh, for Mick Halford and then was sold for €110,000 and just seems to be thriving. And this distance should be ideal for her. So Paddy Toomey's horse as well go for Son Leah, uh, the Dark Angel filly, and we'll see how that unfolds. Best bets for the weekend. Vanessa, I suspect we're taking a trip back to Ascot with you, are we? <laughs> 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 um, best bet for the weekend the double at Haydock the Claude Duval VIP bet special and the lobsters on me what did I call it the chabby double the did I call it chabby sca- yeah something along those lines chabby basically what you're going to do is you're going to break social distance guidelines you're going to get lots of cash you're going to fill up little bags with those notes all the sovereigns and you're going to go up and down the lines doing the double and then we'll see you in dubai we'll see me in france <sighs> vanessa actually is going to france at the weekend so you'll obviously have the 14-day quarantine on the way back but by the way fine but the, the little bags of cash the up and down the lines the see you in dubai is all ruined by rona we can't do any of it so the double Ed Haydock for Vanessa Ryle. Roy DeLarge, your best bet of the weekend. Trying to find something interesting, to be perfectly honest. Um, well, mine's really interesting, so you're going to go some to have to beat that imaginative Haydock short price double. Yeah, Rory, how are you going to beat an 11 to 10, 5 to 4 shot double? <laughs> Boasting about your fucking 8 to 1 nap at Ripper. Yeah, come on, after time and come on, Rory. <laughs> Okay, here's a um, here's a slightly left field one then. Via serendipity in the two twenty five at Ascot. Where did that come from? I wasn't. I haven't exactly been mad about anything that's you know that, that we've had so far. What the? So I thought let's find something that we haven't. This has come completely from left field. There was no talk about this in pre production. Well, via serendipity is fourteen to one, fifteen point oh, on the Bedford Exchange. Yeah, he just had a change of stable. Um, and I'm not sure it's, you know, he, he's well enough handicapped. He hasn't hasn't shown his form this season. Um, he's having his first run now since since leaving um, uh, Stuart Williams, trainer I've got a lot of time for. Um, but sometimes a change of stable for all she's been around the uh, um, around the scene a little that can be beneficial. He's, he's he's starting off with Charlie Fellows. He's not moving very far, in fairness, so it's not, it's not a huge change of scenery. Um, but... I will give him a chance with a trainer buying in form, um, drawing ten of ten uh, in this uh, in this mile handicap. Um, you know that might be uh, that might just be enough to um, uh, to to perk him up again. Um, he's he's dropped to a mark of, of eighty three. Um, you know he started this season seven pounds higher. He's he's rated he was rated one hundred and five 
uh, when he ran at Wolverhampton um, in March. Um, he's rated much higher on the on the all weather. But as you know, there's that theory that um, that all weather horses tend to run better races at Ascot, indeed, um, than they do at other turf uh, turf tracks. Um, he was beaten. Um, uh, Beaten four lengths in the Sugar Cup Mile last year was essentially the same race, isn't it? Um, that was off a mark of ninety-five. It's now twelve pounds lower. You do have to forgive three poor runs this season, but it was only in, in uh, you know earlier this year that he was running um, at his very best on the old weather. So you're just hoping that um, you know that, that slight change of of scene um, will just perk him up again, and he's well enough handicapped to go close. And that was not, you know part of the reason for. We're putting up Saxton today. He's a horse who dropped uh, over a stone in the weights um, since last summer. And he just, look, he just looked at last summer's form and he was absolutely thrown in. He looked at this season's form he was reasonably hard to fancy. And that's the same with, with the serendipity. You just hope that there's a catalyst that brings them back to last season's form. If you think the ability remains, you just need everything to fall into place. And I, I'd give that a chance. I'm not, you know, this is not the... Um, I haven't, I haven't looked at, through everything in that race because it wasn't one of our um, our preview races, but he's the kind of horse who would, um, who would be on my radar. A double-figure price nap for Rory DeLarge that literally came from Leffield. Uh, next week, Barry Geraghty joins us for an In Conversation Final Furlong Podcast special. He has a new book out and he'll be reflecting on his career. I'm looking forward to that. We'll have that for you early in the week. And uh, Rory is back with, I think it might be Tom Bull uh, on Thursday to preview next weekend's racing as well. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, like us on social media, all that malarkey. And there's another competition coming your way very, very soon as well. Vanessa Ryle, never change. <laughs> There's no chance of that now. <laughs> Too, far gone. Too e- far gone. Enjoy France and uh, have a good time. And looking forward to having you back on the show very, very soon. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. Cannot wait for Ascot. Pleasure all ours. And I wasn't being as sarcastic as you. I was not being sarcastic. I was being genuine. I'm laughing at the fact that Vanessa just continues to dig up about uh, Ascot's card on Saturday. Uh, Rory DeLarge, pleasure as always, my man. Chat to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for the kind words on social media. Enjoy the weekend. Hopefully there's lots of gravy there. We'll see you in Dubai. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.